Welcome back to the Creepy Podcast. Could not stay away, could you? Could not get enough, right? Here it is. Come get you some. This is episode 6. My name is Boogie. The sun has set, the lights are low, the candles are lit, and so is the host, Severe Podcasts, down for the Creepy Podcast. The Creepy Podcast Episode 6 Story 1 Jason loved to kill 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 K-I-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-U-N-N-N-N I mean Jason loved to read When I saw this one I knew even if it was amazing or it blew rhino or whatever large animal penises that represent failure to you I knew that no matter the penis, I had to read this story because, well, it's called Jason Loved to Read. First line, Jason Loved to Read. Every day he would take a walk to a nice place, like the park or the beach, comma, and just sit down to read for hours. It didn't matter what the story was about or who the author was, because Jason just loved to read. One weekend, his usual places were a little crowded due to the gorgeous weather. He decided to take a walk in the woods to see if he could find a clearing or an interesting log where he could relax and lose himself in a book. Jason walked through the forest for quite some time. These particular woods weren't good for hiking and had no trails, so he was sure to have some solitude. He wasn't sure how far he had walked before he came upon the mysterious building. It looked somewhat like an old bank comma and was covered in moss and vines. The doors were open and falling off the hinges comma and the windows were filthy and broken. Jason figured this strangely placed building might be just what he was looking for. As he entered through the crumbling doorway, he saw dozens of shelves lined with books. What was a library doing in the middle of the woods? It didn't matter to Jason. It didn't matter to Jason. All that mattered was that he was staring at what might possibly be a treasure trove of unread narratives. He wasted no time grabbing a random book off the closest shelf as he dropped his book bag without care for its contents. Jason inspected the book, and it was surely something he had never heard of. He returned it to the shelf and went to further investigate the library. The whole place was filthy, but there wasn't any random clutter like one might expect from an abandoned building. But why was it abandoned? Who could just leave all these books to rot? Jason only thought about it for a moment, as he was too engaged in reading the names of all the books 
wondering if he'd find something he recognized. He didn't find anything remotely familiar. Books were meant to be read, comma, and Jason felt like these books weren't fulfilling their purpose, comma, and for a long time it seemed, period, it was time to start reading. He picked one called Black Wing Adventures and sat Indian hyphen style on the floor, period. The story was incredible. It had everything anyone could want in a good book. Adventure, romance, action, even philosophy. But it wasn't just that it had so many good qualities. It was that those qualities shined so much brighter than anything he had ever read. If this book was this amazing, what treasures did the other books hold? Jason was excited in a way he had never felt before. It was getting late and Jason knew that his girlfriend, Melissa, would be pissed that he wasn't answering her texts. Normally she understood that this was Jason's me time, but he usually came home hours ago. He took the book with him so he could finish it later and started his journey home. He wasn't sure if he would find the library again, so he marked trees along the way with the sharpie he had in his book bag. Jason got up a little early the next morning so he could read. He grabbed his book bag and took out what he expected to be Black Wing Adventures. The book now had a different title. Love Without a Friend. More rummaging through the bag produced only his other boring books that he had previously been excited to read. Did he grab the wrong book? No. That wasn't possible. He hadn't let go of the book before putting it in his bag. It was obviously from the same library because it was covered in thick dust. He must have taken the wrong book. It was the only explanation. He decided that he would read Love Without a Friend, even though the title didn't really seem anywhere near as cool as Blackwing Adventures. Boy, was he wrong. It was just as good. It didn't have adventure or action, but it had a strikingly human quality to it. Jason had never felt the kind of emotions the story was invoking. Turning each page was like opening a Christmas present. He couldn't wait to receive each word, each thought, each feeling. It was late, comma, and Jason began to nod off. He didn't want to stop reading, but eventually he passed out. The next morning he was still holding the book in his hands. It was still open to the page he left off on, comma, and he started to read again. He had no idea what he was reading. The story had completely changed. There were different characters, different thoughts, different feelings. He closed the book and looked at the title. It was Men and Monsters. Jason was even more shocked than the first time. This book hadn't even left his hands. He hadn't returned to the library to exchange it for another book. None of this was possible, comma. And Jason was getting understandably freaked out. All he could think of doing was going back to the library. Maybe he could find one of the other books he was reading. Upon his arrival, Jason received a text message from Melissa that read, Are you ignoring me? He responded, telling her that he had found a new spot in the woods to read. He left out the part about the girls in the boot. Oh, 
he left out the part about a mysterious library with curious books, figuring it would only lead to more questions. <laughs> Once Melissa's concern had diminished, Jason shut off his phone, because that's exactly what's going to keep her calm. Good, good job, Jason. You make good decisions, Jason. I feel a kinship, Jason. When he got inside the library, he searched long and hard for black wing adventures or love without a friend. But he was unsuccessful. In fact, none of the titles he remembered from before were anywhere to be found. Every book was different. Could this be another abandoned library? How many could there possibly be? <laughs> Even one seems strange. Jason just wanted to experience what these books were capable of, so he didn't want to think about how strange the whole situation had become. He just wanted to read. He just wanted to learn how to read. <laughs> he knew he didn't have much time, so he quickly grabbed a book called Our Nation's Last Hero. It was a political drama about a sandwich with as many twists and turns as a great mystery. Jason had never read anything like it. He rarely thought about politics, but it was suddenly the most interesting subject in the world and quite delicious. It started getting dark, so once again, Jason left the library and took the book he had been reading. He hoped it would still be the same book about the sandwich when he woke up the next morning. Unfortunately, it wasn't. It was about waffles. Jason didn't know what to do. These books were amazing, but apparently he wasn't going to be able to finish one unless he read it in less than 24 hours. He was going to have to stay awake for a long time. So he packed his book bag with caffeinated energy drinks and a few deli sandwiches in case he got hungry. Good thinking, Jason. You make good decisions, Jason. I feel a kinship. Jason knew Melissa would be looking for him, but he didn't care. He cared so little that he left his phone at home on purpose. You make bad decisions, Jason. Kinship. And so it began. Jason was on a mission to finish one of the magical, changing books. What else could they be but magical? A book that changes every day? What an incredible thing. Though Jason had been upset about not being able to finish one, he was thrilled at the fact that he was reading books that no one else would ever read, elitist. I feel a kinship. If he managed to finish one, if he managed to finish one, he would be as satisfied as he could ever be in his whole life. I guarantee that's, that's not true. You're going to want something else after that, but whatever. He chose a book called The Lion's Tears, comma, and began reading. As he read, he would periodically take a few swigs of energy drink and take a bite of sandwich. Eventually, he ran out of drinks and began crashing from all the caffeine. It was too soon! He hadn't finished the book. There were just a few chapters left. But he couldn't stay awake any longer. He hoped that he would wake up again before the book changed. When he awoke, it seemed as though the next day had not yet come. But the book had still transformed into something new. Jason decided he was wrong about when the change occurred. It wasn't when the next day came. It was whenever he fell asleep. Jason stopped leaving the library. He had no time to walk back and forth or spend time with his girlfriend or do anything other than read the magical books. He tried to stay awake long enough to finish one, but it was no use. 
he just kept falling asleep. Jason was getting angry now. This wasn't a treasure trove of beautiful works of fiction. It was a curse. He was obsessed with finishing one of the books, comma, and it was eating away at his sanity. No food, no water, no contact with other human beings. When Jason would begin to fall asleep, he would take a piece of broken glass from one of the windows and cut himself to stay awake. Oh, good idea, Jason. You make good decisions. <laughs> good decisions you make, Jason. After several cuts, he began to feel weak from blood loss. His mind was becoming warped as he sucked every word into his now crippled conscience. Conscious. Consciousness. The books he chose became more and more macabre. Titles like Making Love to Murder and The Man Who Ate Himself were overtaking the other more gentle ones like The Man Who Gently Gummed Himself and Dry Humping Manslaughter. If Jason was going to finish one of these books, it had to be something that interested him, comma, and gentle things were no longer in his interest. There was no telling how long Jason had been in the library. He wasn't eating or drinking, but somehow he wasn't hungry or thirsty anymore. It was as if the books were keeping him alive. They wanted him to read. They tasted delicious. They wanted him to finish. He kept getting closer and closer to finishing one of the books, but then he would choke and need water. He was sleeping less and less, comma, and his dream was going to soon come true. But which book would be the lucky one? Which one would be read from front to back by a willing participant? He picked up a book off the shelf and looked at the title. It was called Jason Loved to Read. His eyes widened. His mind raced. What an amazing coincidence. Fucking A it is. That's a fucking amazing coincidence. Because not only is his name Jason, and he loves to read, but it's the name of the story. And my name is Jason, and I love to read too. This is all an amazing fucking coincidence. This is kismet, dear. Are you feeling it? I feel like I'm sitting on a Tesla coil right now. A book with his name in the title. And it's about someone who loves to read. Adrenaline rushed through Jason's body as he opened the book and began the first chapter. He read of a teenage boy who found an abandoned library in the woods. He read about books that magically changed the content whenever the protagonist fell asleep. He read about himself. This was the book that he would finish. This was the book that he had to finish. Jason's heart pounded like mad as he reached the final chapter. I believe that was part five, wasn't it? Was that? Or was it four? Five was a new beginning. Okay, at four. He reached chapter four. When suddenly he was interrupted by a shouting female. What the hell, Jason? This is where you've been? I've been calling, I've been texting, everyone's looking for you. I found this place because I happened to see those marks on those trees and thought that maybe you made them. Hello? Jason, are you deaf? Just then she noticed the cuts all over Jason's body. She fell silent, comma, and took a step back. Here was her boyfriend, cut up and bloody, buried in a book, paying no attention to her tirade. 
Just Jason, what's going on? Are you all right? Why won't you look at me, Jason? Her voice is concerned but hesitant. Jason just sat there, Indian style, reading his book. Melissa lost her temper. Look at me, Jason. Jason, what the fuck? She began to cry. All she wanted was to find her boyfriend and discover why he had been missing. She expected him to embrace her and tell her that they were together again and everything was going to be all right. She ran to him, bent down, grabbed his arm and shouted, Jason! In a split second, Jason grabbed a piece of broken glass, already covered in blood. It's not sanitary. From using it to cut himself, oh, so intimate, comma, and jammed it firmly into Melissa's neck. Her eyes became wild with fear as she gurgled and jiggled. Is that like the whip in the nene? Eventually falling to the floor with the glass still in her neck. Jason's face had no expression. As he continued reading his book, his legacy, it was about to happen. The last page. Jason couldn't believe it. He had finally stayed awake long enough to finish one of the magical books from the mysterious abandoned library in the middle of the woods. His hands shook as he turned the page and saw the words, The End, towards the bottom, below the final paragraphs. It was then that he became horrified for the first time in his entire life. The book ended with the protagonist, Jason, stabbing his girlfriend in the neck with a shard of broken glass. Jason didn't move, didn't blink, or even think, don't know, don't show what goes on in the hood. Just stay the fuck out the ghetto. Jason didn't move, didn't blink, or even think. He just sat there in absolute shock. Was this really happening? Why did the book say that he killed his girlfriend? That was impossible. Jason was no killer. He just loved to read. He stood up and screamed a desperate, primal scream, throwing the book on the floor next to Melissa's body. He looked at her as if noticing her for the first time. There was blood all over the floor. Melissa was surely dead, comma, and Jason must have been the murderer. He walked home in a daze, comma, and called 911 to turn himself in. According to Jason's story, the police expected to find Melissa's body in an abandoned building in the woods. When they arrived at the proper location, they found only her corpse amid the blood-stained leaves and branches. Nothing that resembled a library was anywhere in sight. The details of the trial and conviction aren't extraordinary, but what you may find interesting is what happened when Jason arrived at prison. His cellmate offered him a book to pass the time. Jason politely replied, No thanks, I hate to read. I hate to read. The Creepy Podcast, Episode 6, Story to Stranger Than Fiction, A Scholastic Book for Kids About Death and Neck, Rofemole, E-U-H-H-H-H-H-H. The computer will not overheat, yes. Um... I'm holding in my hand a book called Stranger Than Fiction, Weird Stories and Ghostly Happenings by Martin Walsh. Um, any of you who grew up in the 80s or 90s probably remember the Scholastic uh, Bookmobile, the book club. 
where you get the books. It's got like the paper was kind of thin yeah, and you could go ch- through and circle what you wanted. Yeah, yeah, and then like, you know, you just basically get every Garfield and every Ramona book for the most part. That's you, what, is that what you got? That's all the what, Ramona books? All of them. Well, yeah, Beverly Cleary and then uh, E.B. White's books and then who's... Babysitter Club? No, I didn't do those, but there was another one. <laughs> what was Valley it? Valley High. <laughs> oh, God, what was it? Uh, what is the other series? Not Ramona... Not Pippi Longstocking. I can't remember right now where the other one was. <laughs> I don't know. But then there was the other ones like uh, like pickle something, uh, banana juice, and like, I don't know, peanut butter something. You're just making these up. No, there was the one with the peanut butter and it makes your hair grow and I don't know, like something about pickles, pickle juice or I something. I think that's what it was called. There's something about pickles. Booty juice. I don't know. Something like that. Loose booty. I. Okay, so... This book is from the Scholastic Book Club thingy-mabobber. It's not one of those choose-your-own-adventures, though, is it? No, those are awesome. Oh, we should get some of those. <sighs> I remember this one where, like, a, you're on a doorstep, and it says, you turned around to find a dead... Skip to page 32. Battery. <laughs> no! Damn it. <laughs> it's a waste of good batteries. Okay, so this is a book written for children, basically, or probably, like, um maybe early 10s like maybe 8 to 12 possibly I would think this is like a... is that a, is that tweens possibly tweens okay. I think so it didn't exist then however yeah yeah okay so uh, yeah this is a it's a collection of weird short things I guess fact or fiction was there a continent that disappeared over 2000 years ago does a 7 foot creature half man half animal stalk western America did a spaceship from another planet appear over a New Hampshire town? See, no. I'm, not, I'm really curious. No, I guess, okay. I guess not then. Never did. Is there a monster living in Scotland's largest lake? Ten incredible stories that will amaze and astound you. Okay, so let's pick... It's rather presumptuous. The Man Who Laughed at Death, because that sounds hilarious. And you said that one, so I'm going to go for that one. <laughs> uh, I said that one. <laughs> I like this one right here. Oh, oh it's got the, um, the old school giant first letter kind of thing like it's a bible or something it's a nice illuminated letter it's got all sorts of little flowery things okay cool oh the man who laughed at death harry houdini died over 40 years ago um, <laughs> when was this but, written yes. <laughs> uh hold on 1973 first printing okay <laughs> so in 1973 harry houdini died over 40 years ago yet the story of his feats of magic will live forever even feats, more incredible, feats his feats and hands of magic. <laughs> and it, he had something else, too. His, his Harry Houdini. It's, it's magical. It's, his name wasn't Houdini. I forgot what it was. Howden. Is it Howden? Yeah. I think. Like Bob, Bob Smith or something. Yeah, it was definitely mm-hmm. something like that. They called him the Escape King, but there was one day that proved beyond doubt that Harry Houdini was the greatest magician and escape artist who ever lived. Houdini's brush with death buried in a coffin under 10 feet of water is a story that will make you wonder as the world of his day wondered just what sort of man was the great Houdini oh this is getting this is really written for kids I don't know if they really need to know about that kind of stuff but the sort of man he was oh well yeah I I saw the movie yeah I did with the one with Janet Lee. yeah yeah he was nice in that movie Tony Curtis yeah he was good looking guy he was that's that's the kind of sort of man he was yeah yeah Jamie Lee Curtis's father Okay, here's a good line right here. Death was Harry Houdini's constant companion. For 25 long years, Harry Houdini cheated death. Well, that doesn't sound like what a companion does. Well, in many cases it is. (laughs) 
Sometimes they look the other I'm way. I'm not playing cards with you anymore, Houdini, you asshole. Harry Houdini died in 1927, but there are those who believe that the ghost of Houdini is still among us. Houdini couldn't die, they say. He was indestructible. He proved that to the world on August 5th, 1926. Really? He proved that he was indestructible, but yet he died. <laughs> those... Not very thoroughly did he prove this. I guess not. That just doesn't make much sense to me, honest. Okay. Those who gathered around the pool of the Hotel Shelton in New York City on that date will always remember the scene. Harry Houdini, the great Houdini, stood next to a large metal coffin. <laughs> awesome. Doctors examined the great magician, checking his heartbeat, his pulse, and his blood pressure. They announced that Houdini was ready for the greatest test of his entire life. And that he had hypertension. That too, man. You really got to cut back on the pork. Okay. He was Jewish, actually. Oh. He probably didn't eat too much pork. I guess, yeah, not, they didn't really do the bagel dogs yet, I guess. <laughs> okay. So several months before, Houdini had told the world that he would remain inside a coffin longer than any other living man. Well, that makes a lot of sense, because usually you don't hang out in a coffin when you're alive. Um, and I don't know. Maybe some people do. I, some people probably have a coffin they sleep in or something, right? I used to want one to mm. sleep in. They, I just thought that would be really badass. They look comfortable. Yeah, they do. They're really plush. Yes, they're very plush. And then, you know, you don't have to worry about sunlight. Mm, yeah. And if you die, you're already, it's just, you're there already. One stop shopping. Yeah, exactly. We were done. <laughs> just bury me with all my stuff. And if I wake up, I'll take what I need with me. All right. Uh, to the grave. <laughs> This is actually kind of a long story. Uh, <laughs> let's see how far we can get with this one. I don't know. I was expecting something that wasn't like Harry Houdini. Um, maybe we should just be jerks and like peruse something else here. Lincoln's dreams. Hmm. <laughs> I want to know what Lincoln dreamed about. Okay, let's find out what Lincoln dreamed about here. It's Lincoln's wet dreams, but oh. they had to edit that out for about scholastic book building. edition. He has that weird dream about building the log cabin every night with his shirt off, and there's like bears hanging around. And there's a log cabin in my pants. <laughs> Four score and seven inches ago. Uh, Lincoln had a great interest in the supernatural. He attended seances on many occasions. His own prophetic dreams foretold of coming events quite frequently. The story of our 16th president's amazing dreams will make you wonder. Okay. I wonder. I wonder, yes. Abraham Lincoln seemed to be guided by a certain sixth sense. I've always have a... Okay, I have problems with that. It's hard to say. Sixth. It was almost as if he were sent by God, capitalized, at a time of terrible national crisis. Throughout his life, Lincoln, capitalized, often dreamed of future events. Many times these events happened exactly as he had dreamed them. Even as a boy, young Abe dreamed that someday he would become president of the United... Oh my god, oh my god, what's the next word going to be? Battery. States. <laughs> After he became president, he once said, I had my ambitions, yes, as every American boy worth his salt has. And I dared to dream this vision of the White House. I, the humblest of the humble, born in a lowly pioneer cabin in the woods of Kentucky. <laughs> you know, um... When you take history in school, and, and then they make you take it again in junior high, and they make you take it again in high school, and then they make you take it again, and whatever, and then they tell you it was all bullshit, because it's all contrived, like, George Washington never chopped out a cherry tree, and he actually had a really weak chin, and, <laughs> and Napoleon was actually not short at all, it's just like, that was just like propaganda to make people think that they were small, and then like, uh, the fact that uh, carrots don't make your eyes better, that was just some propaganda during World War II to make the, the Nazis think that we had superfood. Stuff like that. Um, I hadn't heard that one. Yeah, I heard that one recently. It was uh, propaganda. It's all propaganda. By my mother. Yeah, but she got that because people told her that, basically. Right. Yeah, exactly. So I'm getting the feeling that uh, he never said that. 
I, I don't think he ever said, I had my ambitions, hyphen yes, as every American. Like, it makes me, like, he dreamed of being in the White House as a child. That's bullshit. <laughs> I mean, was he even aware yeah. of, of, of how the country worked at the time? Was there was a White like House dirt yet? poor. Yeah, I, but, but I know the White House didn't just appear as soon as there was America. Like, I don't know the time frame, but I have a feeling there might not have been a White House yet if he was a kid dreaming about it. Just, just a hunch. I could be wrong about that. Maybe it's just symbolism. You know, he's dreaming of the White House. Uh, he's just dreaming about a, a house with all white people in it, basically. Probably. Uh, <sighs> yeah. White House, take me away. Okay. He doesn't know later that he'll need the help of people that aren't white, but that's okay. <laughs> it was those people he wanted gone that put him in office. As he grew older, his dreams became more frequent. Oh, that's good to dream more. On election night of 1860, Abraham Lincoln was the new president of the United States. Completely exhausted by the day's events, he lay down to rest on a sofa in his room. Suddenly in the mirror above where he lay. Wait, wait, he's got a a mirror on the ceiling? Um... Is this, are you trying to tell me Lincoln had a mirror on the ceiling well, let's back above up. his waterbed? Completely exhausted by the day's events, he lay down to rest on a sofa in his room. Suddenly in the mirror opposite where he lay. Oh, I, opposite. I guess that I don't know would, why I heard above. I guess I wanted yeah, to think Lincoln had a mirror would, on the ceiling. That would be a weird, you know, but... No, I don't, I don't see that with his wife. I really don't. She just seemed like she wasn't really into... Mary Todd? Yeah. I don't really feel like she liked affection very much in a weird way. Or at least just from the movie I saw. I don't know. <laughs> Once again, everything we know about history yeah. we learned from movies. And, and it was Sally Field that played her, right? So <laughs> I missed that movie. It's good. Okay. Uh, he, uh, he's, okay, he's laying down and he sees two pictures of himself. In one picture, he was the picture of good health, but in the other picture, he was ghostly pale. I got up and the thing melted away, said Lincoln. In the excitement of the hour, I forgot about it. Nearly. That sounds like an acid trip. Yeah, he was a big stoner. I well, don't really talk about that much in history class. Well, but. also, like, you know, if, you, if you're using, like, a stone ground flour and things like that, and uh, it gets infected with mold and things like that. You, oh, like ergot? You hallucinate, yeah. You know, like, the ergot poisoning um, was on rye breads, right? I, I, I'm not entirely sure, but I know people hallucinate from stuff like that, so that makes sense to me. Yeah, <coughs> hence the, uh, I guess, the, the witchcraft scare. Yeah, yeah. I also get the idea that a lot of uh, revelations that people had, like in the Bible and things like, mm-hmm. like, um, like Emperor Constantine said he saw a giant cross in the sky and that's what made him start the Crusades, but they'd been up for like days and days and were delirious and were just tripping balls and were drinking wine brewed in giant iron pots or lead pots, which would lead to lead poisoning and hallucinations. Yes. So they're bombed, lead poisoned and up for like days at a time. Let's declare a war. Ha! Several days after Lincoln was again resting on his sofa, once again he saw the two faces. One was as pale as death, and the other was the picture of good health. Okay, it's like the, this is starting to sound like the Bible. It's like repetition, repetition. This time Lincoln felt that he knew the meaning of the two faces. The face that showed good health meant that he would be successful in his first four years in office. The other face meant that he would be assassinated in his second term. I, I'm finding this story highly dubious. I don't know. I, I kind of... I'm starting to believe it now. It's very convincing. The writing is riveting. <laughs> Are you telling me he knew he was... Go- Dude, stop it. Stop it. Whoa. Okay? Okay? Maybe a 12-year-old in the 70s mm-hmm. would have stood for this. Mind but, um, blown. Mom, did you know that Lincoln knew he was going to die? That's nice. Eat your, eat your pears and your carrots and whatever... Eat your pears. Whatever people eat for dinner. <laughs> Said no mom ever. <laughs> at a dinner table. I don't know what people eat. <laughs> Eat your pears for dinner. Yeah, exactly. Stop your whining. In my house, it was like I'd come home and there was like a box of hamburger helper waiting for me to make it. So <laughs> The hand yeah. on it? <laughs> eat, eat the hand. Okay, assassination, which has the word ass in it twice, I, I love pointing out. 
Oh, ass ass. <laughs> I forgot who said that. Oh, it was Earl Sweatshirt. That's a line. He says, I put the ass in assassin. I always thought that was good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, okay. The other face meant that he would be assassinated in his second term. Next sentence. As events turned out, Lincoln was killed near the end of his second term. <laughs> Wait, spoiler alert. I know, wait, how many more pages do we have here? That's not the crescendo of the story. We got like like five more pages of this. Okay. Later, Lincoln met with Harriet Beecher Stowe, the woman who wrote Uncle Tom's Cabin, the book which exposed the evils of slavery because nobody knew how evil slavery was. I. It was kind of like, you know, like the fake sugar aspartame. People didn't know that okay. it was bad for so, you. And so seeing it firsthand doesn't show you, but when someone writes it down, you're like, oh, this is wrong. It's, it's written down now. I totally can read it, and that makes sense. I can show it to people now instead of just someone chained up and whipped. And oh, that's fine. That's, yeah, that's totally no. fine. You, I mean, it you is need now. Need an expert to tell you. Yeah. Well, now you need. Uh, you know, you have to do it in a specific place, and you need consent. But you know, that's true. That's true. That's true. That's 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 better. Bondage go go Saturday night. See you all there. There you go. There you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, evils of slavery. Okay. Yeah. Lincoln told her, whichever way the war ends, I have the impression that I shall not last long after it is over. So that's why he tried to keep the war going, apparently, I guess. <laughs> the, the, that war lasted for, like, what, 30 years, right? Um, so, yeah, you definitely were educated in Fresno. <laughs> yeah, public schools. <laughs> I remember, oh, one of my, yeah, uh, so many creeper memories. In fourth grade, we had an, a, a student that came in from another country, and she didn't speak English very well. And I won't give her a name out or anything, you know, it's really not important. The fact is, is that, you know, she didn't know English yet, and we were helping her out, and we were also learning about uh, people from other countries through this experience. So every day, we would have to write a story about what she did in class. <laughs> Wait, the whole class was writing about this one girl? I know, it's terrible. What country was she from? Uh, she was Hmong. Oh, okay. cool. So um, I remember one day, the story we wrote is about how she learned how to use the pencil sharpener. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Public schools. So okay. So like, you know, <laughs> this civil, is fascinating. The civil war lasted did. for thirty-seven days and four score or something, right? The score was four and seven something. So I, yeah, I lost track. I don't four to seven. Sports, it was four so. to seven, and this is the Southern Army surrendered, and then five days after that, Lincoln died. Okay, but the way they wrote it is Lincoln died five days after the surrender of the Southern Army. Okay, so he was right. He was right. He knew he was gonna die. Why he didn't should. He keep- why didn't he hit the lotto? idiot. Dream about Powerball, man. Yeah, serious. <laughs> How come he didn't know his wife was going to be crazy? <laughs> no, I just like being slapped randomly at breakfast. It's fine. That's what, keeps, that's what gets me going. We don't have coffee yet, so. His wife abused him at breakfast? No, I'm just... Oh, you're she, filling in the blanks. I'm filling in the history. blanks. Yeah. Because she was like, from what I understand, she would have needed medical care. Like, oh, okay. Legitimately. Yeah. I know she was a spiritualist. She she believed in contacting. Yeah, that was that was part of it, and I don't feel like that's necessarily a crazy thing. Even though I don't necessarily believe in it, but I don't feel like that's necessarily a crazy thing. Especially back then. Yeah, especially back then. Needed a little extra meaning to things. Exactly. Yeah, John Wilkes Booth was a um, was a robot on remote control. John Wilkes robot. Yes. Yes. Oh, I'm writing the script to this. <laughs> There's actually, I forgot where I heard it. There's a really interesting story behind John Wilkes Booth and his brother and all this other crazy stuff and like all these other reasons why he might have wanted to shoot Lincoln. <laughs> you should look that up. It's really great. <laughs> cool. Yeah, he was like the less successful of two brothers who were both actors and blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah. Oh, so hence he went to the theater. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, a, it's a long convoluted story that I forgot the details of, but that's, it's really good. Uh, <laughs> as his years passed in office, Lincoln's prophetic dreams became well known by his as oh it's hyphenated associates. Okay, 
Kinesina, they didn't want to sp save space on printing. Like I saved, like they do that through the whole book. It saves like one whole double-sided page, I guess. Ah, you just I hyphenate the word, then it, then it starts yeah. on the next line. So, oh yeah, his. <laughs> you just saw the word ass and ass assassin. Lost your mind. Often his dreams told him of important future events. Just before he died, Lincoln called an important meeting of his cabinet. All present were waiting for news from General Sherman. Sherman was then fighting with the last of the Southern armies. With Link Peabody. <laughs> his faithful boy. Lincoln told the group that he had no news as yet to report. However, he had had a dream the previous night that foretold of some great event. Lincoln went on to relate his dream. He told of being in some kind of vessel. He was moving with great speed towards the shore. The dream was not exactly clear to Lincoln, but amazingly, he had had the same dream before the battles of Sumter, Bull Run, and Tietam, Gettysburg, Stone River, Kama, and Wilmington. He had the dream before each one of those battles? Yeah, the one where he's like swimming with snakes or in something. In a vessel. Yeah. yeah. It's actually inner space. <laughs> He was dreaming inner space. He had prophetic dreams about movies that wouldn't do well in the 80s. Uh, where, where the fuck was it? Oh. It doesn't matter. That's uh, <laughs> just pick a random word. Okay, I'm just going to start here. But the most famous of all of Lincoln's dreams came only one month before his assassination. The president kept silent about it for some time. He should have told somebody. They probably could have done something like... Hey, I had this dream I was going to get shot. Okay, let's invent the Secret Service to protect you. Right. Or how, let's invent a bulletproof vest. Or how and about you just you. not go to the theater? How about that? If someone's trying to kill you, maybe you don't go outside. Yeah. Maybe you don't. I, I wouldn't. If someone was trying to kill me, I would stay home. One night, the president was entertaining friends in the Red Room. <laughs> red Room. <laughs> and for my next trick, I'll pull a giraffe out of my stovepipe hat. <laughs> Baby one. It's, there's a lot of room in that hat. At 10 o'clock, tea and cakes. Wait, oh, that's the wrong page. And dreams? What? <laughs> At, tea, cakes, and dreams! This is what happens when you actually read out of a book instead of off of a screen. <laughs> Have you forgotten how to turn a page? Why are the pages of this kid's book about Lincoln stuck together? I don't understand this. Somebody really likes Some, it. These pages look like they've been wet before. <laughs> <laughs> With tears. <laughs> tears about know what's gonna happen. Lincoln. One night the president was entertaining friends in the Red Room. At 10 o'clock, tea and cakes were served, and shortly afterwards, most of the guests began to leave. Because after you've had tea and cakes, there's no reason to stick Fuck around. Fuck this place, I'm out of here. <laughs> Whatever, Lincoln. <laughs> yeah, you're going to die. Nice knowing you. Thanks for the cake. The war was over, but Lincoln's face looked long and Solomon. 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 The president said that his mind was heavy. Expectantly, the gathering of friends looked toward him. The president began to talk about dreams, because thunder only happens when it's raining. He sat forward with his elbows on his knees. Nowadays, dreams are regarded as very foolish, comma, and as seldom told, except by old women and by young men and maidens in love, he said. Wait, what? <laughs> Nowadays, dreams are regarded as very foolish, comma. <laughs> I'm just going to stop doing that, okay? It's apparent that it's just totally fine, and I'm the only one hung up on that shit. Nowadays, dreams are regarded as very foolish and as seldom told except by old women, one, and by young men, two, and maidens in love, three. So, okay, the three are old men, no, old women, young men in love, and maidens. Wow. Yeah. Maiden form bras. Is that, okay. So, Math is hard. Yeah. Mrs. Lincoln looked worried. <laughs> as she did often. Where's my foil hat? Why, she said, do, why, she said, do you believe in dreams? <laughs> I can't say that I do, Lincoln replied, but I had one the other night, and it fit me like a glove. No, uh, but I had one the other night, which has haunted me ever since. You frighten me, cried Mrs. Lincoln. What is the matter? 
I have a feeling she said that quite a bit, just like to everything. Like she'd walk in the kitchen and look at the teapot. You frightened me. Don't let our son go to war. I am afraid that I have done wrong to mention the subject at all, but somehow the thing has gotten possession of me. Mr. Lincoln tried to talk of other things, but Mrs. Lincoln kept returning to the dream. Finally, Mr. Lincoln agreed to tell the story. About three days ago, I retired very late. I had been up waiting for important dispatches from the front. I could not have been long in bed when I fell into a slumber, for I was weary. I soon began to dream. There seemed to be a death-like stillness about me. Then I heard subdued sobs, as if a number of people were weeping. I thought I left my bed and wandered downstairs. There the silence was broken by the same pitiful sobbing. See, again, I really don't feel like Lincoln said this, because it's very modern English. <laughs> and really, would, like, who was there to hear it? Just his crazy wife. They found the tapes. Yeah, they, they found the, the Lincoln tapes, yeah. The no. things about, the, okay, actually, I don't know, a lot, something a lot of people don't know about the Lincoln tapes. He swore like a sailor. That's right. Yeah, he really That's did. Right. Oh, oh my God. And then he was like, you won't have old Abe to kick around anymore. That's right. There the silence was broken by the same pitiful, so pitiful sobbing, but the mourners were invisible. Okay, I went from room to room, but no living person was in sight, yet the same mournful sounds of distress met me as I passed along. It was light in all the rooms. Every object was familiar to me, but there were all the people who were grieving as if their hearts would break. I was puzzled and alarmed. What could be the meaning of this? Determined to find the cause of a state of things so mysterious and so shocking, I kept on until I arrived at the East Room, which I entered. Good move, good move. There I met with a sickening surprise. Before me was a catafalque, C-A-T-A-F-A-L-Q-U-E, catafalque. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> That's what it says. Okay, it's just one of those in there. And there's a corpse on it, so it's something that a corpse rests on, apparently. Oh. It's okay. Uh, and a 12-year-old would know this word? I guess so. In 1971, possibly. You know. Okay, so before me was a... On which rested a corpse wrapped in funeral vestments. Around it were stationed soldiers who were, ex who were acting as guards. <laughs> they could have just been guards, but they were acting as guards. That's good. And there was a throng of people. You don't really get to see a throng of people very often They anymore. were wearing throngs. Oh, yeah. That throng, the throng, throng. Yeah, that thing. There was a throng of people, some gazing mournfully upon the corpse, whose face was covered, others weeping pitifully. There's a lot of... A lot of pitiful things going on in this. It's rather judgmental, I, I think. guess, you know, it's because, I mean, people are sad. That's, that's just natural, you know? It means they liked you, you dick. <laughs> <laughs> I pity their pitiful cries. <laughs> Who is dead in the White House? I demanded of one of the soldiers. <laughs> the president was his answer. <laughs> Wait, are you talking to the president? <laughs> Who was dead in the White House? You! Uh, this is a scary story. Lincoln undead. The president was his answer. He was killed by an assassin. There came a loud burst of grief from the crowd, which woke me up from my dream. I slept no more that night, and though it was only a dream, I have been strangely annoyed by it ever since. It's so annoying when you have dreams that you die. In. Especially when the mourners wake you up. I was trying. I was having a you know a nice sleep, and then the mourners in my dream woke me up. And then I tell my wife about my dream, and she says, "That is horrid." Mrs. Lincoln said, "I wish you had not told me it." Yeah, after she she basically forced him to tell her. That's the trap. I am glad I don't believe in dreams, or I should be in terror from this time forth. I don't believe in dreams. They don't exist. They really don't. My dreams are all so boring like my dreams are so interchangeable with my real life that i have to stop and think if something happened like i'll have a dream that something bad happened at work and i'll wake up feeling bad and i'm like oh wait that was a dream <laughs> yeah like oh that really no nobody got hurt like that you know like i always have dreams that i'm late for work i'm never late for work yeah. but 
but that's why because yeah. you're conscientious about it this is something that happens is really strange <laughs> here's a tangent for you because this story is riveting uh, <laughs> um I had this dream the other night, and a lot of times I'll have dreams where I'll ha I have stress dreams, they're work dreams, right? And my work dreams a lot of times end up being all of the jobs I've ever had is one job, just like all in this weird, you know. Like an amalgamation. Like of a, all yeah, the jobs. like a mashup. Like, okay. you know, and I don't know how to do anything. And I'm always training, and it's just like, I don't know how to work this way. So I was doing something in this dream and like talking to an employee, like a fellow employee, and there's this guy waiting there. And I like tell him I'll be with you in just a second. And apparently that wasn't good enough for this gentleman. And here's where it gets weird. He in, in protest in order to like you know uh, he doesn't punch me or slap me. He rams his finger in my butthole. What? Yeah. No. Like really, this is what happens in my dream. And well, dreams are wish fulfillment. Jason. I guess. Well, no, it's going somewhere. In my dream, I'm like. What the fuck, man? You're not supposed to be doing that. And he's just like holding, like looking at me. And he's just like, you know, I picture him with his finger, like, yeah, just, yeah, just like, you know, being mean to me. And then I woke up and I had to take the worst crap. It was just. <laughs> and your pillow was gone. Yeah. Uh huh. It was just like, that, yeah, that's, that's how just dumb. Like, my, dream, my dreams aren't cool at all. And the fact that I remember more of them, yeah. It just, <laughs> that's a little unusual. It is, it's it is, right? It's a unusual dream that you had there. Dreams are weird. I, uh, okay. Uh, Dreams where I'm at work and then I wake up and then I have to go to work. <laughs> you wake up and so you're at work. You're like, yeah. Fuck, it never ends. <laughs> <laughs> dream within a dream. Reality within a reality, even yeah. worse. Yeah, it's like almost as bad as night terrors, which I used to have, which are quite entertaining in retrospect. But You would wake up screaming? Oh, yeah. Wow. Well, I found out that night terrors come from carbon monoxide poisoning. What? Yeah. And uh, I was living in a basement apartment where the dude who owned the place would be in his garage revving the engine, thinking about killing himself, and it would come through the vents in the wall. Oh, my so God. So I'm laying in bed one night, and I feel like I'm awake. And I have this experience where I feel a pressure on top of me, like the old hag syndrome, that kind of thing. Like, it comes from a really weird, like, a, a real place. Huh. Like, people have been hallucinating this, like, you know, the old hag sitting on their chest trying to, you know, strangle them or whatever for years. So, I'm laying there, and I feel this pressure on top of me, and I hear, like, a, like a demonic, like, like, that kind of thing, right? And I'm, like, trying to scream, and I can't move. And then, basically, my imagination is amazing for scaring me. I'm so good at it. So I feel the pressure on me, and I feel like I'm suffocating, and all of a sudden, I see a claw. And something grabs me and tries to pull me under the bed, and I wake up finally screaming, like, ah, right? Whoa. <laughs> that happened a few times, and I was seriously, I was, like, super, like, superstitious at that point in my life, and I'm, like, I'm having, like, I'm watching all sorts of ghost hunter shows and stuff, and, <laughs> and I had very real, in my mind, like, oh, my God, there's, there's a there's a demon after me, right? And then I found, I watched a ghost hunter show and they're like, yeah, you think your house is haunted because there's carbon monoxide poisoning in your house. And I'm like, that makes a lot of sense. See, it was nothing. It was just a guy trying to kill himself on yeah. the other side of the See, wall. See, no big deal. No yeah, big deal. Just some guy in the garage on the phone with his wife. You want me to fucking do it? I'll fucking kill myself. <laughs> wow. Well, replied the, the president, <laughs> it is only a dream, Mary. <laughs> Let us say no more about it and try to forget it. No more. As the time of his death grew closer and closer, Lincoln seemed to sense more and more that the end was drawing near. On the afternoon before he died, President Lincoln was talking with his trusted guard, William Crook. Great name for a trusted guard, I William trust Crook. I trust that Crook. Crook, do you know I believe there are men who want to take my life and I have no doubt they will do it? Why do you think so, Mr. President? Crook asked. Other he men... stole his wallet. <laughs> Where's my wallet? Wait a minute, I put my hat over here. I need that. It's my look. 
No one will know it's me. We brand, it's branding. I left my hat and beard on the, on the chair over here. <laughs> and Crook took them. I hope you are mistaken, Mr. President, Crook replied, stealing his pocket watch, <laughs> refusing to believe Lincoln's words. I have perfect confidence in those around me. And every one of you men, said Lincoln slowly, except that you're going to fail. I know no one could do it and escape alive. So that's comforting. You killed me, we kill you back. <laughs> <laughs> but if it has to be done, it is impossible to, it is impossible, but if it has to be done, it is impossible to prevent it. Okay, so what he's telling his trusted bodyguard, Crook, is that he's going to get assassinated, but he has perfect faith in his men that it won't happen, but if it does, that they'll kill the guy who does it. That's good. That's good. That makes it even. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't mind if I die if the person's, you know, if but, I'm avenged. But doesn't that make a strange sort of, like, little kid sense, though? Like, it sounds like little kids talking. It's just like, okay, but if I die, you have to avenge my death and blah, blah, blah. You know, like, they're going to go play Lincoln in the, in the schoolyard later. If I die, I'm going to be really mad. I'm going to be so mad at you if you kill me, dude. I'll totally kill you back. Okay, <laughs> I'll kill you in the face. All right, so... Kill this, your face off. It's almost done. <laughs> oh, God. Other men have been assassinated, Lincoln replied. <laughs> There's this really cool bar downtown if you want that to happen. <laughs> I can't think of a good, like, Civil War gay bar name. <laughs> the South will rise again. I don't know. <laughs> Cannonball. Oh, we're going down to Cannonballs later. <laughs> the, uh, the Cannonball and the Musket. Yeah, that's good. Our, um, that evening, Crook was going off duty. He turned to the president and said, I can't quit you. <laughs> What? No, he Are you kidding? No. Oh. <laughs> he shouldn't have. He'd still be alive. He, he, sa- he turned to him and said, he sa- I, I, I will always be a crook. <laughs> okay, yeah, I'm really delirious right now. That evening, Crook was going off duty. He turned to the president and said good night to him. Lincoln replied, goodbye, Crook. <laughs> On his way home, Crook did a home invasion on three different... (laughs) On his way home, Crook thought over the president's last words. How prophetic. Mr. Lincoln had always said, good night, Crook, but never goodbye. Three hours after President Lincoln said goodbye to his guard, William Crook, he was shot while attending a play at the Ford Theater in Washington, D.C. The nation and the world were shocked. President Lincoln was gone. But he told them he was going to be shot. Why should they be shocked? I... Well, they weren't listening, you know? Oh, yeah. You know, well, you know, Who's honestly... listening to the president? Yeah, but honestly, most people probably didn't hear the president because they didn't have public address systems back then. So, like, how many people really heard the Gettysburg Address? People read it, but they didn't hear it, you know? No. Like, ten people heard it, and everyone else just heard... What's he saying? I don't know. Can I get on your shoulders? I can see his hat. That's really what it was, right? That half of them thought they were there for the Gettysburg undress. Exactly. And they were really disappointed. Oh, man. Especially since it was really cold that day. Okay, so Lincoln was gone, but perhaps in some mysterious way, his presence is still helping to guide our great nation. <laughs> Spooky. <laughs> Obama. That's, so it is a ghost story. <laughs> <laughs> Fix the health care, Obama. Who's that? It's Lincoln's ghost. He's really annoying. He drove Nixon crazy. God damn it, Lincoln, shut up! (laughs) End the war! (laughs) Free the slaves! What? (laughs) You already did that. It would be comforting to think that is true. That's the last line. There are those who are sure that he still watches over our nation's leaders just as he did a century ago. It would be comforting to think 
That is true. It would be comforting to think that. I wish we had mm-hmm. control over that. Some of these books have people's names written in them. This one doesn't. I would love to find out, because I found this on the street, of course. I would love to find <laughs> out. <laughs> I do most of my book shopping on the street. Right, all great literature. All the, all the time. I found that Mafia book there, too. It's Ooh. explosive tales. <laughs> I, I would like to, uh, you know, uh, to meet the person who bought this book, who, who filled out the Scholastic book form, all excited, getting Garfield's 10th book, Maybe yes. like a Peanuts thing, and then a Judy Bloom Super Fudge or something, right? Pickle Fudge. And then, oh, I'm getting this really crazy book about all this stuff. And you're just like reading the Lincoln story, and you're like, okay, so he got killed. <laughs> I knew that already. What did... <laughs> Well, the, so the name is Stranger Than Fiction? Stranger the, Than Fiction. Yeah, they probably were hoping for some, some really gnarly ghost tales. I was. Yeah. The man who laughed at death. Fuck yeah. Come on, happy boy. Laugh it up. What's going on? It's Houdini. I are, Houdini, I know how he died. He fucked up his trick. He had his appendix burst, right? That's what happened. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't even mention that. Yeah, and he, he ignored it for a long time. Yeah. So, no, um, he had a serious health problem. Mm-hmm. And he was like, and honestly, if you chain yourself up underwater and lock yourself in there enough times, I think the law of averages says that sooner or later, uh, death may occur. I That's mean, true. They should put. I think now on all all those type of tanks that they have now that the magicians use, it says warning: death may occur on the side after Houdini's family sued the, the makers. That's of their, right. Yeah. And they're like, oh fuck, we're not going to make that mistake. Yeah, again. exactly. It's, it's time just, to roll. You got to learn. You got to learn from the warning labels, like the one on the hair dryer that says "Do not use in the shower," or um. Or, that was my first mistake. This or morning. the hair curler that says "Do not insert in any orifice." You got to learn. You got to read the label. <laughs> Do not lock yourself in this upside down when it's full of water. <laughs> and we're back to Houdini. And, 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 and uh, the lesson for Lincoln would be, uh, don't dream. Don't go to the theater. Don't go, okay, don't go to the theater. Yeah. Don't go outside. Don't dream. And don't tell your wife your dreams ever, no, no matter how much she begs. Just keep folding the foil hat for her. Yeah, she'll say, she'll say it's horrid. <laughs> it's horrible. Okay, I think we might be done with this book for right now. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Lincoln. Give the, the compi a rest here for a second. <laughs> the Creepy Podcast is done. Seriously, go home. Fuck off. Fuck to the off. Fall. Fall. The creepy podcast is done. Seriously, go home.